Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing today? I want to say welcome to Target because I'm dressed in red and khaki. Somebody already gave me a hard time. This is not Target. This is church. Well, I have the privilege at this moment to let you know more about 40 Days of Community. And we're going to be going over some very important points. In fact, they're really nuts and bolts about what it is to be a community. In the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about love, about loving God, about loving ourselves, about loving others. So as we begin this 40 Days of Community campaign, I want you to keep this in mind. We are going to get down to the nitty-gritty. We're going to get to the notes, nuts and bolts of what it truly means to be a community. And this morning, we're going to begin with a scripture verse that you find in your Bibles in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. Now, I'm going to be reading from the message translation. We have it on the overhead, and we also have it in your bulletins. If you look inside your bulletins, you have the teaching notes for this morning. And you could follow along in the message translation. Romans 12, verses 4 through 6. 40 days of community. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as part of His body. But as a chopped-off finger or cut-off toe, we wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we are made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Let's pray as we begin the message this morning. Heavenly Father God, we thank You for this opportunity to be Your church. We thank You, Lord God, because You've called us out to be a life-changing community in our world today. And Father God, our prayer is that You would use us as First Baptist Church of Pasadena to be Your community of love in this area, in this city, in this region. And truly, Lord God, see lives changed and transformed Bind us together like never before. This is our prayer today. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, how many of you love this message translation of these verses we just read? Did you like this translation? Wasn't it most excellent? You know, the Bible here talks to us that we find our identity not as individuals. You know, we live in America today. And one of the things that we value as Americans is individuality. One of the things that many people in America value today is that we are self-made. That I am my own man or my own person. That no one can tell me what to do. That I do what I want to do. I am an island to myself. See, this is something that's very popular in our culture today. But that's not God's plan. That's not what the Bible teaches The Bible doesn't teach us to be independent individuals living on an island doing our own thing. God, Jesus, His Word teaches us that God asks us, He designed us, He requires us 
to work together as a community. And as I was giving this a lot of thought, like what's the best illustration to give about what it is a, a community is or how a church works together, I came up with one of, my, one of my most favorite things in life, and that's basketball. So I'm going to grab a basketball over here. And we have a couple of pictures up here that we're going to show you. This is a picture of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Got any Laker fans here? Got magic there. We got Lamar Odom. We got some good people. Now, how many of you have ever played basketball alone? Anybody there ever get a basketball and you go down to the local playground or you go to the local gym and you start bouncing the ball all by yourself? You know, theoretically, you can play basketball by yourself. I mean, I've done it. You know, I've gone to the gym, I've gone to the playground, and I start bouncing the ball, and I start, you know, shooting baskets. But after a while, I get kind of bored, you know. And after a while, I feel disconnected, I feel isolated, I feel kind of alone. You know, and I realize to really enjoy basketball to its fullest, you need to play with other people. And not only that, you need to play in a team. And not only that, you need to play in a team with a strategy, with a methodology. Because in basketball, when you're playing on a team, everybody has different positions. How many uh, centers do we have in a basketball team? How many centers do we have? One, right? How many point guards do we have? One, right? We have two forwards. We have two guards. So when these fine gentlemen are playing basketball, not everyone can be the center. Not everyone can be the point guard. Every person has an assigned post, an assigned position, an assigned job. And that's the way Christ's body works. That's the way the church works. Each one of us has a position. Each one of us, you know, I'm just dying to throw this basketball. Who wants to catch this basketball? I'm going to lob it over to, to David. You want to try to catch it from there? Okay, ready? One, two, three, go! Yes, we're a team now! Give it back, give it back. Whoa! Okay, now we've got to throw it over here. Do I have any volunteers that want to catch it over here? Jim. All right. Basketball thrower right here. Okay, ready? Go! Oh! He's the man! Whoa! So basically... Ooh, I lost the basketball. Lost the basketball. So basically, everyone has their position. And everyone has a position here this morning. Okay? And many times in our churches, we have people in the bleachers. We have people that are just watching. You know, you come on Sunday morning, you enjoy the worship, you listen to the sermon, you enjoy fellowship time. But the question I need to ask you is how involved are you? Do you have a ministry place here at the church? Are you involved in a small group? And that truly is the vision of 40 Days of Community. Is getting 100% participation in a small group. Everyone, every single person needs to be in a position. You either need to be in a small group or you need to be in a ministry team. Because if you're not in a ministry team, if you're not in a small group, you're not playing basketball. You're not on the bench waiting to go in. You are literally up in the stands just watching the game. And that's not what God's called us to be. God has not called us to be just spectators watching. God has called us to be participants. And that's what 40 Days of Community is all about. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, the Purpose Driven Life book came out. And it was kind of focused on the individual, everyone finding their purpose. Now, I don't know if you remember uh, some of the purposes, but let's just go over them 
are really quick here. We're going to go one through five, the five purposes. This came from the life, uh, purpose-driven life that Steve mentioned a little while ago. So the first purpose in life is you were planned for God's pleasure. Okay? That's worship. Number two, you were formed for God's family fellowship. Number three, you were created to become like Christ. That's called discipleship. Number four, you were shaped for serving God. That's ministry. And number five, you were made for a mission. That's mission. So a couple of years ago when this book and this program came out called uh, 40 Days of Purpose, a lot of people were focusing on themselves as individuals that I need to fulfill my purpose. You know, worship and fellowship and discipleship and mission. But here we are several years later, and we've come to a richer, deeper understanding. And here it is. This is the revolution. This is the revolution right here. I'm going to tell you what it is right here. You cannot fill the five purposes alone. God did not design us to fulfill these five purposes alone. We need to fulfill these five purposes with other people. We fulfill these purposes together. We fulfill these purposes as a community. So we're going to turn to our neighbor and we're going to say, I need you to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. Turn to someone and say, I need you to fulfill God's purpose in my life and your life, in our lives. Entitled this morning, Why We Need Each Other. Why We Need Each Other. And we have five uh, nuts and bolts points this morning. And the first one is, if you're looking at teaching notes, you can fill in the blank. And we're going to start with reason number one. We're going to have two, and then we're going to have a music break. And we're going to have music breaks throughout this service because worship is a big part of this. So the first one, the first reason why we need each other, and you can fill this in, is I need others to walk with me. Just as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in. So our sub-point for this morning, for point number one, is community God's answer to loneliness. In 1 Peter 4.9 we read, Open your homes to each other without complaining. So community is God's answer to loneliness. I need others to walk with me, and community is God's answer to loneliness. Now here we go. When Jesus began his ministry, okay, when Jesus began his ministry, what was the first thing that when he began his ministry? He asked his disciples to do what? To walk with him. He asked the disciples to come along with Him, to be on a journey with Him. And that's what community is all about. It's by going to another person and saying, Will you come on a journey with me? Will you walk with me? Because the foundational point is that there are a lot of people nowadays, not only in church, but in the world today. You could go to New York City and be in, in, in Times Square in the middle of a million people and you can feel so lonely and so isolated, right? You could be in a subway in New York City or Los Angeles, because we also have a subway, and feel so lonely and so isolated. I've talked to people in big churches, 
and I've talked to people in little churches. I've talked to people in churches of three or five thousand, and I've talked to people in churches of thirty, sixty, a hundred, hundred and fifty people. And many times they both tell me the same thing. I've talked to people in huge churches that they say, when I go to the church, no one talks to me. I feel so alone. And I've talked to folks in small little churches. They also feel the same thing. They've also told me, sometimes when I go to church, no one talks to me, and I feel so alone. I feel isolated. So it doesn't matter if you're in a big church or if you're in a little church. So we need to ask each other to come and walk with me, just like Jesus did with His disciples, so they could be around Him. So, you know, during the past couple of weeks, I've talked to you. I've asked you, would you like to join a small group? You know, most of the time people tell me, no, I'm too busy. Right? I've talked to some people in the past couple of weeks and I said, would you like to open your home to host? Well, I don't know, too, too busy. Right? And that's kind of the struggle that we're dealing with in America today. It's not just here, it's everywhere. And what we're trying to do this morning is we're trying to establish the fact that walking together is important. We need each other. We need to open up our homes and we need to get involved. And today at the ministry fair, when you go downstairs, there's going to be different booths where you can sign up to be a part of a ministry team or join a small group. And uh, we encourage you to do that. Point number two. You can fill this in. I need others to work with me. I need others to work with me. God made us to do good works, which He planned in advance for us to live out our lives doing. And our sub-point fill-in is community is God's answer to fatigue. Community is God's answer to fatigue. So the first thing that Jesus did when He began His ministry is He asked the disciples to come and walk with Him. They really didn't know what they were getting themselves into. They didn't really know anything. And they just started following Jesus around. You know, they just started walking with Him and listening to Him. And slowly but surely, Jesus rubbed off on them, His personality, His teaching. You know, they were just walking and following Him. But then guess what? The level of trust built up. See, when you ask someone to walk with you, that takes trust, right? When you go up to somebody and say, Hey, would you like to go on a walk with me? Would you like to go out to coffee with me? Would you like to come to my home for a small group? Right? That takes a certain level of trust. But now we're going up the trust ladder. Now Jesus asked the disciples, Now I don't want you just to walk with me. Now I want you to baptize people. I want you to work. Now I want you to feed people. Now I want you to help people. So the disciples were originally a little bit hidden, right? Kind of like Moses, you know. Uh, pray for people. Baptize people. Uh, lead a small group. Uh, service. Feed people. Uh, we, we don't know if we can do it. And what did Jesus do? He encouraged them. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I've taught you. I've showed you the way. So God is not only asking to walk with them, but God is also asking us to work with them. And guess what? It takes a high level of trust to ask someone to work with you. I mean, how many of you would ever go to a neighbor in your block, a neighbor that you didn't know, and you would say to them, hey, can you come and help me mow my lawn? Would you feel really comfortable doing that? Right? That takes a certain level of trust. You have to know that neighbor. You had to have borrowed sugar from that neighbor or lent that neighbor eggs before. And when your level of trust increases, then you can actually go to somebody and say, would you work with me? And that's what church is all about. 
It's about going to each other and saying, we need children's ministry. We need help with fellowship ministry. We need help with worship ministry. We need help with small group ministry. And that's what 40 Days of Community is all about. So we're going to have our first music break. Thank you. Reason number three why we need each other. I need others to watch out for me. In Philippians 2.4 we read, Look out for one another's interests, not just your own. Our sub-point, community is God's answer to defeat. Ecclesiastes 4.10 If one person falls, another can reach out and help. But people who are alone when they fall are in real trouble. I need others to watch out for me. I need other people in my life to give me a heads up. I need other people looking out for me and what's in my best interest. You know, a couple of years ago when I was only married to Don for about five or six years, I had a good friend. I still have a good friend. He's literally my best friend, Rich McConnell. He lives in Epping, New Hampshire. He had been married about 20 years at the time. And we were also basketball buddies. And anyways, one weekend he was celebrating his anniversary. And he called me up and he said, Eddie, let's get together for lunch. I'm going to go buy Debbie some jewelry. I said, oh, okay. So we met up at Exeter, New Hampshire, where Phillips Exeter Academy is. It was a beautiful day. There was snow on the ground. It was just a very excellent day. So he and I had a really nice lunch. And after lunch, we went to the different jewelry shops. We looked at pearls. We looked at necklaces. We looked at earrings. We looked at rings. And I saw how much attention and how much passion and how much emphasis he put on buying this jewelry for his wife. Now, if you knew me back in my 20s, uh, you know, I was kind of a, a lot, lot tougher than I am now. Not that I am that tough right now to begin with. But, uh, you know, I, I probably wasn't the most sensitive middle-aged guy like I am now. I was a different type of person back then. <laughs> different type of person back then. And, and many times, Rich and, spoke into my marriage. He said, you know, Eddie, that's not really the way you should treat Don. He would, he would literally say to me, Eddie, you know, that's not really the way you should talk to Don. He said, you know, when you're celebrating anniversary, this, this is kind of what you do, Eddie. And I said, really? And it just so happens that Don's love language is gifts, right? My, my lo- love language isn't gifts. And growing up as a little kid, my mom and dad separated when, when I was three years old. So I never saw my dad. I never saw any man... Uh, treat my mom in such a special way. I, I didn't have that as an example growing up. Uh, uh, something as so simple as a husband buying uh, pearls or earrings for his wife at an anniversary. I didn't know any better. But Rich McConnell invested the time. He spoke into my life. He spoke into my marriage. And he said, Eddie, this is what you do. And because of Rich McConnell, my marriage is a lot better. My marriage is stronger. So that's what this point is all about. We need each other to watch out for each other. We need each other to give each other the heads up. We need each other to talk to each other and say, you know, you need to work in this area of your life. I've noticed that you've been angry. I've noticed that you've been very nervous. I've noticed that you've had these issues. And, you know, and in every point, we've literally been going up the trust ladder. You know, first we start off, walk with me. That requires some trust. Then we went up the ladder, will you work with me, right? And now we've actually gone even higher. Hey, friend, can I tell you something? I've noticed something in you. 
Can I give you some helpful, loving advice? So slowly we are making our way up the trust ladder. So the deeper we go into community, the more we need each other, the more we know each other, the more we are in community, guess what? It's going to require more and more trust. Are we ready for that kind of trust this morning? Are we ready for that kind of trust, church? Are we ready to become God's community and change this planet? Change this city? Change this block? How about let's start off by changing the church? How about that? Let's start here. Let's start in God's house. And then work our way out. Amen. Point number four. I need others to wait and weep with me. First Peter reads, You should be like one big happy family full of sympathy toward each other. And the sub-point is, community is God's answer to despair. Okay? Community is God's answer to despair. And I know that every single one of you, just like me, when you are going through a tough time in life, you already have a person or two on speed dial, right? Everybody this morning has a person or two on speed dial when you're going through a tough time in life, right? Your mom, right? Your best friend, right? Your old college roommate. Everyone in this room has one or two people they go to when they are going through the worst of times. When you hit a roadblock, when you hit a dead end, where you have nowhere to turn, uh, no, no money, no encouragement, no love, you are just so down in the dumps. You have one or two people to turn to. Okay? But what we are talking about this morning is when you're in a small group, when you're in a ministry team, when you are truly part of a church community, are you just going to have one person to turn to? Are you just going to have two people to turn to? How many people are you going to have to turn to? A whole church. A lot of people. And when Jesus turned to His disciples, did He just ask one disciple to do one thing? No. He had some disciples that He used for preaching. He had some disciples that He used for baptizing. He had other disciples that He used for praying. He had other disciples He used for healing the sick and serving, and feeding. That's what Jesus did when He assembled the twelve. He didn't just go to Peter, James, and John for everything. right? He had a very strong relationship with them, and He prayed with them, but He didn't just go to them. He went to all His disciples. He went to all His apostles. That's why we want to build this community in the church. So when you are dealing with a tough time in life, you just don't have to call your mom. You just don't have to call your best friend. You can call your small group. You can call the church office. You can call the church staff. You can call people in your ministry team that you're working with. And they will support you. They will encourage you. And I know today we have many testimonies of many of you that have faced things in this year. And your church was there for you. Was your church there for you? Yes, it was. I know for a fact. I know many of you have gone through stuff even in this year. And there was people in your church and your ministry team and your small group that supported you. And that's God's plan. Let me me share just a little bit. Just in the last couple of weeks, this church has reached out to me. 
Um, my family has gone through a really tough time, a crazy pregnancy with my wife in the hospital and a premature baby in the hospital. And um, this church has been amazing uh, with the, not just the cards and emails, but uh, you might not know this, but we had meals provided for us every single night for over two weeks. Church members would just come and bring us meals, and that was just an entire blessing. We didn't even have to ask for it. So just being a part of this community has been um, a real blessing to me, and just this church has come out to me in a time when I, I, we just didn't have the energy to cry out to ask. So I just want to say on behalf of Joanna and myself, a big thank you. Our musical break for this segment, I've called the um, young adults and youth to come forward and do a little handbell piece. So if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes and maybe saying a little prayer, thanking God for the ways that the church has reached out to you. Perhaps you have a need right now. You might want to, you're in a moment of despair or defeat that you kind of need the Lord and the, and the body of Christ around you. So I'd ask you to bow your heads, um, meditate a little bit, and ask for the Lord to speak through this song by Bach. Point this morning, our fifth reason why we need each other. I need others to witness with me. In John 13, Jesus said, Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. God's answer to fear is community. In 2 Timothy 1.7 we read, The Holy Spirit doesn't want you to be afraid of people, to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. You know, when I began this message, I talked about playing basketball by yourself is no fun. You know, and sometimes sharing your faith or evangelism is kind of scary to do alone. Now, if I think back when I was in Bible college so many years ago in Louisiana, I remember I took a class. It was called evangelism class. It was a practicum, evangelism practicum. And uh, one morning the professor came in and he gave us our assignment that we had to go out and evangelize the community. And I grew up in a church where we'd literally go door to door on Saturday morning. It wasn't Jehovah's Witness, but we would literally go door to door handing out flyers and inviting people to church. So that didn't really intimidate me that much. But I remember there was this young woman in the class, and she was just so red in the face, and she was kind of upset. And after the class, I said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she said, what does he expect us to do? Does he expect us to go over to Del Champs and just follow people around the grocery store? That was a local grocery store over there. And just go up and talk to people about Jesus? And uh, she found that very scary. She found that very intimidating to go out into the world and witness alone. But guess what? That's not the way God designed it. God designed it for us to share our faith and witness together. That's how God designed it. That's how God planned it. You know, God is not asking you this morning to go out into the world and start sharing your faith alone. We can do that as a community. We can do it together. And we'll actually be better at it. You know, a couple of years ago I was pastoring a... Spanish-speaking church. So every Sunday morning, yours truly would preach a a message in Espanol. And as the church began to grow, we began to see that there was a need to do our services bilingually because we had many young people coming that didn't speak Spanish. So every Sunday morning, we began doing a bilingual service. And our worship pastor, Moses Barrios, I asked him, Moses, you're bilingual like myself. You were born here from Latin parents. I said, I want you to translate for me every Sunday. 
So basically, the first three, six months, people laughed a lot. You know, he and I were up here, and we joked around, and we messed up words. You know, and after a year or two, as the church began to grow and continue to grow, people actually started telling me, you know, Eddie, what really draws us to your church on Sunday morning is to see you and Moses and how you guys work together and that chemistry and that friendship and how you guys live out your Christian walk. You know, all the time I was thinking, I'm making a lot of mistakes, I'm not doing a good enough job, my Spanish isn't perfect, his translation perfect. But you know what people saw? Was friendship. Was chemistry. And people were drawn to that because they saw Jesus in our lives. So this is what I'm trying to say. God has called us. We need each other to share our faith. We need, need each other to witness to our community. Working together and truly being the church and truly loving each other, we're going to show Pasadena and this whole area what God's love is all about. So this is a challenge today. And uh, we're going to continue with the service. We have other important elements like offering and more worship. And Pastor Steve's going to be giving the benediction shortly. Uh, but I want you to know this. When you go down to the ministry fair in the fellowship hall, like Jennifer said in the announcements, find out about the ministries, but find a place where you can minister. Find a small group. And when you go down to the fellowship hall, there's 40 days passports in a center table. Grab a passport. Every time you visit a booth, make sure they sign it, they stamp it, and put it in a box. And we're going to be giving some prizes away. So make sure you visit every single booth and talk to people, ask questions, find out about the different ministries, and get involved. We need you. We need each other. Thank you, and God bless you.